Good morning, church. If everybody could grab a seat. So glad that everybody's so friendly here. Amen. That's a good thing. So my name is Dennis Sandberg, and I'm one of the blessed elders here at RLC. I'm, I count it a privilege to share God's word today. Wasn't praise and worship awesome this morning? You know... God's word says that we are to put on the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. You know, we live in a world that tends to put a heaviness on everyone with everything going on and, what's, and everything that's heading in the wrong direction. The latest poll says this, the latest poll says that. Take time and put on the garment of praise. You will feel the joy of the Lord rising up when you praise. It's great to lie down in green pastures and still waters and experience the true comfort knowing that God is in control. Amen? Can we bow our heads and pray? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I believe and trust in God to allow all of you that have ears to hear, to hear some pieces of truth that will impact your lives, move you more towards God and the life he desires each of us to walk into, which is life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was so blessed to be raised in such a good family. You know, we, we sing a song called Good, Good Father, and I just, it just resonates so much in me because um, I had a great father. And I know that's a picture of him um, with him and me just before he went on to the Lord in 2014. But my father taught me so many things. I mean, he, he was the type of guy who would get up on a Sunday morning early, in the wintertime, he would make sure that all the walkway around the church was shoveled. And then he would go in, in, into the church, and, and, and I, I came from a church just south of Buffalo that um, they would have a coffee hour before church, maybe to keep everybody awake during service, I don't know. But they used to have these big 100-cup percolator coffees. It'd take about an hour to brew the coffee. <laughs> But my dad would always be the one to do that because he was thinking about others. And during the summertime, he would be the one that would get there really early and make sure he rolls up, up, up the windows out so that the church had a certain breeze. And he did that for others. And it's important. You know, back in uh, the 1990s, there was, a, there was a, a men's movement called Promise Keepers. And uh, it was kind of cool. My, I, um, we went with a group here at church down in Washington, D.C. We actually took a bus, I believe. And the following year, I was really excited to invite my dad because there was a lot of really good father-son type relationships that were being built up in Promise Keepers. So, so um, we met him in Buffalo. So it, it was, we, we arrived at the stadium and it was at where the Buffalo Bills play. And um, so we, we were arriving, and, and, and it was an outdoor stadium, and it was kind of raining. It was a little drizzly. Whoops. <laughs> stay, stay this way. But <laughs> so, so anyways, I, I'm, I'm there with my dad, and, and it's drizzling. We're waiting for the praise and worship team to come up. And all of a sudden, it started raining harder. And we're looking at him, and the praise and worship, and, and there's a guy there with an electric guitar. Now, holding an electric guitar when it's raining out very hard, I don't know that's a good practice, but <laughs> we're looking at each other. Are they going to cancel this? And this guy, the, the whole praise and worship came up, and they, they started playing. And when they started playing, it's like the rain stopped, and there was a rainbow that appeared. And it was such an awesome experience. It, it, Miss Lynn would call it a God sighting. 
and we, it was such an experience, but I, I was kind of disappointed because at the end they gave the altar call, and I was really hoping that my, my dad would come forward because he wasn't saved at the time, and, and he didn't. But I just, I just continued to pray because I believe that it, in, in, at that particular time a seed was planted, and, and wherever you sow, you're going to reap. And, and if you've sowed any seeds, you've got to keep praying over that seed. Because the, the, the following year, he went again with us to a Promise Keeper event in Syracuse. And it was a great experience. And, and at the end, the, the praise and worship team during the altar call sang a song called The Old Rugged Cross. And it just softened my dad's heart. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he grabbed my hand and he went forward and he accepted Christ. And it was such an honor for me to, to be a part of that because um, he was such a great man. But um, my dad was a sales manager for Pepsi-Cola for 30 years. And, and being a sales manager, I'm a sales manager, it, it can be a little bit of a stressful job. But one of the ways my, my dad would come home at night and he would get a little bit what I call de-stressed was he loved to get these big thousand-piece puzzles. And he would put it on the dining room table and, and I would just spend time <laughs> with, with my dad. And I'm sitting there looking at the puzzle. It, to, to me, it, it was pretty difficult. But to my dad, it was just methodically how he did it. And he was very good at it. Um, to me, it was much easier to dissemble the puzzle at the end. <laughs> but I was recently thinking about my dad and puzzles and how the process of putting together a puzzle relates to our Christian lives and the church. And that's what I'd like to share today. So a puzzle starts with a dark background, kind of a backdrop. You know, it's, it's much like our lives when we're born into a world that's full of sin. Genesis 1-2 says the earth was formless and void. Isn't it interesting in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created. The first thing we learn about God is that he is creative. As a creator, he is distinct from his creation. Notice how the earth was, form and was formless and void and how it doesn't say that heaven was formless and void. The earth needed an awful lot more work done to it, just like our lives need a lot of work done to it. It's, it's interesting to me that God in the first three days shapes his creation and in the next three days he fills his creation. Our lives, just like the puzzle, start with a background that is formless and void. And, has, and then we have the pieces that are emptied out onto that background, and it starts with creating borders that shape our lives. Aren't you glad that God began creation with the end in mind? In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Our light is to shine in the midst of a dark world. The light is through Christ Jesus, the light of the world, rescuing his people from darkness and of sin. And all this according to the perfect plan that God drew up from the beginning of time. I want to move to where the pieces of the puzzles are dropped down onto the dark background that represents the earth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I was just kind of dropped down into this world, like the puzzle pieces. Praise God, it says that God knows the plans that I have for you. In Isaiah 29:15 it says, "And their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us?" 
Aren't you glad that God always sees you and that God always knows you? Aren't you more glad that Holy Spirit can guide us and give us the spirit of wisdom we so need in our lives? We all search for purpose in our lives at some point. It amazes me that high school kids yesterday, today, and it seems like forever, face the, there, there's a certain pressure that happens to them in ninth and 10th grade where we, we push them to make a decision on what their college major is and what they want to do in life. You know, the world pushes you in a career where money will bring you happiness. God's word focuses on seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and allowing the other things like money to be added. We were made for connection. We were made in the image of God. God's word said it's not good for man to be alone. That's why we were made for relationship. You know, people's fast-moving lives have caused disruption in many of our relationships. Think about this. We can come home from working all day, drive into our garage, close the electric garage door, and step into a hiding place that we call home and not even so much as wave to our neighbor. Think about that. There's companies that are around the world that are laying down thousands of miles of fiber optics and shooting up satellites everywhere into space that's going to allow the world to get more connected. But is it really working? We are calling and texting and FaceTiming in record numbers. Even with this going on, don't you feel like we're more disconnected than ever? I don't know about you, but I, I truly believe that loneliness is a pandemic in our generation. Getting people connected with God and the church is one of the best solutions to this pandemic, in my opinion. What Christ did while he was here in his physical body, he wants to do today through the church. In Romans 12, verses 4 through 5 in the Living Bible, it says, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do, so that we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We are the body of Christ here on earth. We're his hands, we're his feet. All of us have a part to play. Being part of a body of Christ means that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And if we don't play a specific part, the mission of the church is impacted. When we put Together, a puzzle, every piece makes up the whole. Every joint and every, every joint and piece supplies. We are so quick. Well, let me rephrase it. I'm so quick that when I'm putting a puzzle together, I'm thinking, oh, there's got to be missing pieces. <laughs> During some frustrations. Missing pieces in a puzzle as well as our lives often lead to disappointment. Disappointment is what happens when your expectations fall short of what you are currently experiencing. We need to trust the maker and creator of our puzzle called life. God's empowering grace will fill any gaps or missing pieces in our lives if we wait and are patient. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15, in God's Word translation, it says, I want 
you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar, the foundation of the truth. There's a lot of messages that have to do with the cross, but I think one of the main ones is there's the vertical connection that we have with God, and there's that horizontal connection that we have with others. And we need both of them to connect the pieces of the puzzle. Being part of a church family means that we should love and accept one another. Just as my natural family growing up has not always approved of everything I've done and said or my behavior, they love me anyways through it all. You know, the same scenario needs to be present here in the church. There are times that when, when we might not approve of one's behavior. There are times that people get offended. And we need to address the behavior. We need to forgive the offense. And we need to love that person through it all. Every one of us is an important piece of the puzzle and the plan that God has here for his body, the church. Our focus really needs to be on knowing God, growing in God, serving God, and sharing God. A little bit like our mission statement here, by the way. After we dump all the puzzle pieces out of the box, now we need to take time to turn the pieces over because a lot of them don't land on the right side. So I was looking in the book of Acts how Paul and Silas were flipping lives over with the message of the gospel of Christ. Paul and Silas were seeing social barriers broken down, prison doors opening, people actually caring for one another, and people were worshiping God like never before. It says in verse 6 in Acts chapter 17, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They're like, look at Paul and Silas. Here they come. They're going to turn us upside down. You know, do you get that feeling when, you, when, when you're around the presence of God? We're going to turn the world upside down. Resurrection Life Church can turn the world upside down. Our lives can turn the world upside down. you got to believe it in your spirit. There, there's such an influence that this church has on all the people. Look at all the missionaries and everything that we support here. I mean, we are having an influence on this community and this world, and we need to remember that. Our world needs to be turned inside Upside down and transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, God's word's what's going to transform our minds. Every time someone believes in the gospel, the world is turned upside down for the good. That's why they call it the good news. Getting transformed is like becoming a parent for the first time. I was thinking about Taylor and Shelby and little Levi over there. And Taylor and Shelby used to be free to sleep in, go wherever they wanted to do, have free time alone together. Then you have a baby, and your entire world is turned upside down. You are up all hours of the night, you're exhausted, and the baby constantly needs you. You don't mind, though, because the baby has transformed you and has given you a new life, a new purpose, and a new meaning. You gladly give up your rights for the good of the child. Correct? Amen. You know, believing in the gospel is a little bit like that. You know, as a, as a new Christian, your world is turned upside down before you have a firm enough foundation to be built right side up. You do your best to figure out the gospel and what it means for your life, but it can be very hard at first. I, I can... I can attest, I, I struggled when I first became a Christian. 
My, my, my mom used to kid me because she said, Donna, you can't, you can't ride the fence. You can't be, you know, in the world and in the church. And she was right. Choose this day who you're going to serve. You know, it, it, it really means that I had to align my life by faith in God's word and allow him to order my steps. It may not be easy. You know, being a Christian is not easy. If somebody tells you that, don't believe them because it's, it's hard to be a Christian. But keep this in mind. It's the best walk that you'll ever take. You will experience love, peace, and joy that cannot be taken away. You are now in a new kingdom that is right side up. After turning over the pieces of the puzzle, we start connecting the edge pieces. God began this world by framing it into existence. Hebrews 11.3 tells us this, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Healthy boundaries define expectations and show respect towards others, our leaders, and those that are in authority. It says in 1 Peter 2, 17 in the Passion Translation, it says, recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and holy awe of God. Honor your rulers. Another aspect of boundaries has to do with taking responsibility for our own lives. God gives us a freedom to choose to live within his boundaries or outside them. Living inside God's boundaries brings blessings and living outside them brings consequences. Adam and Eve had one boundary in the Garden of Eden, abstain from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord gave them a freedom to remain within his bounds, but they chose to overstep that bound and sin. Their response to God's revelation of their sin was to blame someone else rather than take responsibility for their lack of self-control. Eve blamed Satan, and Adam blamed Eve, and the blame game, as we know it today, has begun. That's where it started. You know, boundaries can help us bear fruit by submitting to God's will and allowing God, with his enabling grace, to help us make godly choices. You know, we need to think wisely of some of the things that we choose. After the borders are complete, which should be the easiest part of the puzzle, by the way, it's time to connect the middle pieces. Sometimes the middle is a little bit difficult. It's kind of like that 40-day journey. It's kind, of, it's kind of a little bit difficult in the middle there. In 1 Corinthians 9, 22, in the Living Bible, it says, Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. It's important. You know, we, we can introduce people to Christ, but it ultimately is Christ that draws him. I can bring my dad to a, to a, to a religious event, but it's, 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 it's him, it's God softening his heart so that he wants to come forward to receive what God has for him. It's God that gets the credit. I'm just privileged to be a little bit of a vessel that kind of guides the way. And, you know, God so loved the world that he sent his son to have common ground with man. Think about this thought. Jesus lowered himself with this world to connect with this world. God may be asking us today if we really love the world. As a Christian, a follower of Christ, are you willing to love and connect with a world that may not love you back? Jesus did. So should we.
many choose not to connect with others because we tend to prejudge others. There's a lot of judging going on in this world today by non-Christians and Christians alike. We judge others. We judge how the church should be run. We judge how leaders should lead the world. We judge how people look. We judge how people dress. We judge how they act. And the list of what we judge goes on and on. Social media makes it easier to judge others and get on the bandwagon of those who enjoy judging others. Let me give you a little bit of a word of advice. We need to avoid the broad path of judging others that's going to eventually lead to destruction. God's word says, judge not lest you be judged. And if you happen to be one of the people that is getting judged, I encourage you to be strong in the Lord on the inside. Care more about what God says about you than what the world says about you. You are loved. You are chosen. You are the one who Christ died for. You have a great future and you have a hope. And, and that list can go on and on. We need to develop a, a, an inner feeling that God loves you. It doesn't matter what the world says. You know in your heart when God is with you and loves you. And, and we need to accept ourselves the way he made each of us. You are God's creation. And he loves each and every one of us. As the church, we need to love the world. We need to connect with other believers and quit trying to be the lone rangers for Christ. Christian TV is not a substitute for the church, by the way. I'll let that one resonate. We need to exercise compassion with forgiveness and think the best of all men. We need to pray for those in authority for a spirit of wisdom and for them to hear from God. Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to encourage each other to connect. You know, Proverbs 27, 17, it's a, it, we, it, as men, we, it's iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. When I read this verse, I think of believers connecting so deeply that they are literally like power sanding each other's rough edges. You know, there, there's a lot of sanding that needs to be done in the body of Christ because there's a lot of rough edges, but we need to soften we need to soften some things in our lives so that we're pliable so God can use us and the church can use us and other people can connect. And when, I, when men and women get together and share their weaknesses and they pray for one another and they encourage one another, both people get blessed. Okay? I will say this, life care operates under this principle. When you come to life care, people share their weaknesses, people pray for one another, they encourage one another, and I will speak, because I'll speak on behalf of the leaders here, the leaders get blessed and the people come and get blessed. That's why it's such an effective ministry, because you, everyone needs that. You need the encouragement of other believers in Christ. Love is a choice. Good works are done for the good of others. We need to think the absolute best of others and give and bless others whenever and wherever we can. 
I have a question for all Christians. Do we understand that we're in a war? We are part of the army of God. There's a reason it speaks in Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God, by the way. We are having people who are withdrawing from the army of God that are like a soldier in battle who lags behind the rest of the platoon and becomes an easy target for the enemy. You may be a soldier that has been hurt or offended to cause you to lag behind. You may be a soldier who feels like you've been judged, you've been rejected. You have taken that rejection, you've swept it under the rug, and a lot lot of times these people are running away from it. In Jeremiah 6.13 in the Living Bible, it says this, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Yet the priests and the prophets give assurances of peace when all is war. We need to meet with fellow believers that you trust and get healed. Your fellow believers can't apply the medicine of what's needed for healing or forgiveness unless they know what the wound is. We need to allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal any past wounds that are resonating in your life. Amen? So what does this puzzle mean in relationship to the church? For the last two years, this world and everything in it, including the church, has been a puzzle. And it's much more than just finding a vaccine to combat COVID symptoms. We are in uncharted circumstances. We are in a rapidly changing, complicated point in history. It's difficult to make a statement that we're returning to normal. As far as I'm concerned, there's, normal is only a setting on the dryer. And I don't do the wash. My wife does the wash. So I, just, I just know it says normal. The good news is that God knows the plans. We are right where God wants to be at this very moment. Every experience is part of God's divine plan. Our anxieties are temporary. God's grace is everlasting. God may be moving in ways that we don't understand right now. Be still and allow him to calm the storm that might be in your heart. I want you to look at this picture. This picture reminds me of where a lot of churches are right now. You got about 70, about 75, 80% of it's complete. We have pieces that aren't in place, and we have some jagged edges that aren't quite fitting properly. Back in 1992, when I joined Resurrection Life Church, I went through a new members class and I was given a book written by Tom Pierce called Fit, Function, and Flourish. Fitting is about having the right size, hopefully like your clothes are on right now. Fitting is about being in harmony and spirit and in one accord. Fitting is to join closely together. In Ephesians 416, it says this, for the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of that body unto the edifying of itself in love. Christ forms us as a church like a puzzle into one body. We are a group of individuals of God's church who are united in their purpose and in the love for one another and in the Lord. If one person stumbles, the rest of the group is there to pick the person up and get them back onto God's path. If a person sins, we are there 
to help them be forgiven. And it's important that we restore them in love. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. All believers are placed right where God wants them so that they might serve effectively together. A great example of this is going on right now. Miss Lynn is assembling a team of servants to minister to our children for VBS this summer. Praise the Lord. There's a divine order for everything. You know, as, as a church, we need to be reminded about what God has told us lately in Micah 6, 8 of where our priorities are. I just want you to look at this side of the banner. And I just got a couple questions here. Are we doing what is right to other people or is our focus going to be always what benefits us? Are we going to be kind to other people or are we going to step on everyone to climb the ladder of worldly success? Are we going to live humbly and gently of heart? Or are we going to allow pride to rise up in our hearts? Are we going to obey God's word? Or are we going to read the Ten Commandments as though they were the Ten Suggestions? God wants our lives to change. I've heard this say that church should be a hospital for our souls. We should be experiencing real relationships where we are genuinely caring for one another. Everyone should feel like they belong. Everyone should feel loved, valued, and appreciated here. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's about the performance of Jesus, not us. Jesus is a friend that stays closer than a brother. He hears our prayers even when we only have that one bar connection. That happens. Miss call. I want to show you this is the completed picture of the puzzle. And that's what attracted me to this puzzle, by the way. It was I, the message Jesus has risen is that it's the message of the resurrection, but I got a question for you. Is that message of the resurrection still resonating in your heart today? I know it's been a few weeks since Resurrection Sunday, but I hope you're still focused on Christ's finished work at the cross. I just want to take a moment and um, speak where I see three instances at the end time of when Jesus was here on earth of where he rose or was risen or ascended during his last days here on earth. Rising is moving from one level to another. The Bible speaks about going from faith to faith and glory to glory. And the first time that we see this rising is found in Luke 23, 46. And it says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus was showing absolute dependence on God the Father. As I read further into this, I found it very interesting that there was two other spots in the Bible that speaks about people of God who committed their spirit. In Psalms 31.5, I know it's not up there, David said, into your hand I commit my spirit. David was speaking about his complete trust in God. In Acts 7.59, as Stephen was getting stoned to death for his faith in God, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen was showing his confidence in death that he was simply passing from God's earthly care over to God's eternal care. 
The next example of Jesus rising in the last days of earth is found in Matthew 28, 6, when the people arrived at the tomb and the angel said, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as, it's, just as he said it would happen. Come see where the body was laying. Jesus' bodily resurrection shows us that the living Christ is the ruler of God's eternal kingdom. We can be certain of our resurrection because he was resurrected. Death is not the end. Praise the Lord. The power that was brought back to Jesus' life is available to us to bring our spiritually dead selves back to life. I mean, I, 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 there's times that we get, I feel like I'm resurrected sometimes. And I want you to notice how in this verse it says, just as he said it would happen. Believers need to remember what Jesus said. We need to pay close attention to what's written in red in the Bible. We need to remember his teachings, his miracles, his parables, his prayers, his promises, his forgiveness, his love, his hope. That list goes on and on and on. What Jesus said 2,000 years ago is alive today. Amen. The third example I wanted to bring to your attention is when Jesus, after he returned to his disciples, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't it interesting that, that Jesus came back and, and he might as well have said, hey, it's your turn. Go to the uttermost parts of the earth. He, he's, he's finished. He's done. And in fact, he, it, it's interesting to me that he says, after that, he says he was received up to heaven. You know, we have this picture of Jesus just like, like floating like a ghost. I mean, I haven't just received him. And then it says he sat down at the right hand of God. With that, Jesus was now in equal position, honor and power and authority with God. What Jesus did was so awesome. And what he's empowering us to do. And... Because of what Jesus did, God wants us to arise, shine, for our light has come and the glory of God has risen upon us. And I, I just want to take a moment. This, this, this is something I, I, I found online. Um, it's an interesting rendition of John 12, 24. But it, I, I, what really caught my eye is, is, is think about it. Jesus had to ask himself, keep my life or give my life. His death produced life. John 12, 24 in the New Living Translation says this, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. God so loved the world that he gave or sowed his only son. Jesus was planted into this world so that Christians everywhere could be raised up with him and be just like him. The things that were in Jesus are now available to us. That is such good news. And, and think about this. A seed or kernel of wheat that is sown to the ground, and while it's in the ground, Think about this. It casts off its outer coat or physical body, or, or we might as well say the sin, and then the true life, the inside life, what's really into you, your spirit, your soul, is the seed that rises up and pushes its way above the ground and becomes a spiritual body that it meant to be. We need to have a desire to create an environment within our heart and spirit to receive the seed of God's word and move towards the harvest God intends us to have. We need to be people of God that receive 
the word of God with a noble and honest heart and then obey what the word of God says. We need to study and understand its implications and applications to our own life. We need to accept God's word and seek to bear fruit. Our heart condition is our soil. When our heart is aligned with God's word, it produces a demand on the seed to shed our fleshly outward coat and pushes our spirit to grow and bear fruit. And I just wanted to end a little bit with a, a, a verse in Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 6. It says this, And raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly paces in Christ. Notice the word us in this verse. The gospel is a partnership between God and us. It's God's super joined with our natural. You know, we need to align ourselves with him and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ and members individually. We need to go out, go forth, and create environments that will bear much fruit. What God has been faithful to start in you, he will be faithful to finish. And I have a question for you. How is the condition of your heart today? We need to prepare our hearts to receive the things that God wants to implant within you. It starts with inviting Jesus into our heart. You know, Jesus stands at the door and waiting patiently for us to knock and be invited into the kingdom of heaven. When you think about a door, a door is a decision and a choice. Will you make that choice today to invite Jesus into your heart? Will you soften your heart to receive the seed that Jesus wants to plant within you? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's really that simple to enter the door of eternal life. If you haven't done this before, I encourage you to bow your heads and repeat with me these words. Dear God, thank you for sending your son to come to earth. to live the life that I couldn't live, to be the example that I couldn't achieve, to be a sacrifice for my sins. Lord, please forgive me for all my sins. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I ask you to be Lord of my life, and I commit my life to you, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you've shared this prayer for the first time, please let one of the ushers know on your way out. You may be a church member here, and some of the things that I've shared and encouraged you towards about being a better connected member at church may have resonated with you. I just want to let you know that the body of Christ needs you and what you have to bring to complete the puzzle. We need to take a step of faith to connect in a better way. And if that's you, with every head bowed, I would just ask you to, to raise your hand that, that, that you just want and have a desire in your heart to be further committed. And, and, and you may have plans that you don't realize that God has for you, but you, you desire more. You desire to be plugged in more. You desire to serve more. And if that's you, I just wish you'd 
slip your hand up, and I'd like to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for this church, your body, your vessel to seek and save the lost, your vessel to make better disciples. I pray for an increased connection with your church, your bride, the one you love, that we would experience more forgiveness, more appreciation, more harmony, more love. I thank you for an increased effectiveness for your glory amongst the body of believers here. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could, I just want to close in prayer for everyone. Lord, I just pray that you will seal this word into their hearts. I thank you for loading your people with benefits daily so that you can do exceedingly above and beyond all that they could ask or hope for. You are a God of blessing that desires to pour more out into our lives each and every day. We thank you and are grateful to you for all that are ready to share with others as you direct their steps. And we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go forth. Have a blessed day.